Welcome to Techlandia, a podcast about and for the technology industry, a place to learn, connect, and engage with leaders and thinkers involved in the technology industry. You can check us out at techoregon.org, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to our latest edition of the Techlandia podcast series at TAO. My name is Skip Newberry, President and CEO. We have with us Jay Schnorr, who's the CEO of VEDEX, which is a global edtech company. We're excited to have him with us. And uh, Jay wanted to start off by asking you if you could maybe talk a little bit about um, your background and what compelled you to get into education technology. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having me on the show today. It's uh, pretty exciting. I, I uh, am an Oregon resident, and so it's it's wonderful to to be here on the Tao podcast. Um, I got into this company um, because prior to founding it, I was traveling around for universities in the U.S. and the U.K., uh, recruiting international students. And talking about the university programs, talking about online education to them, talking about going to the campuses and and uh, everything that they were going to learn and gain from uh, higher education in the U.S. and U.K. And one of the main components that I saw students always having a challenge with was uh, language learning, ESL, to enter these universities. And so myself and a couple of colleagues at the company began talking about how we might use virtual reality. And this was about 2015 when virtual reality got a uh, one of its first spotlights in the last decade. Um, and we talked about why languages had to be learned with immersive technologies. Uh, knowing that I took seven years of Arabic and uh, actually couldn't speak well until I went and studied in Egypt for three months. And so that was the impetus to get going. And that that laid the foundation for uh, what we were going to do in virtual reality. And then 2020 hit, and we all decided to go for it and create VEDEX, which stands for Virtual uh, education, deployment, and exploration. So it is a real acronym. And we just hit the ground running. We started talking with every immersive learning company uh, we could get a hold of that was doing something in education. And we used all of our contacts from embassies and governments and uh, the like from across the world to see what they might like to run as a pilot. And so uh, that that led us led us to the path where where we are today. That's great. So I was, I was wondering if, if you could maybe describe a little bit your ideal customer or partner. Mm-hmm. Like, what kind of organizations are you are you primarily working with? Well, Skip, you know this is really about immersive learning. So it's not focused on a particular content. We don't create an app ourselves that. Uh, is focused on a particular concept or age group. So when you ask where we're focused, we're focused on anybody that wants to use immersive learning to revolutionize their content they're trying to get their students 
or what we like to say at VEDEX, their learners engaged with. So okay. that includes that includes high schools, universities. Yep. It also includes companies uh, that are trying to develop training, new training programs to more effectively teach uh, their their onboarding um, episodes. Do you find that there are um, certain types of sort of approaches that work better for certain age demographics in terms of either duration of the, the content that's being produced and time spent in the immersive scenarios? Yeah, um, so that's interesting. When we started the company, we were really focused on virtual reality. Uh, and, and as virtual reality as a tool does take the learner into a full immersion environment. However, the headsets can be, uh, you know, very difficult to obtain as a school um, uh, and access for everyone that wants immersive learning. And so we have broadened our scope and younger learners are using PC and their Google Chromebooks that all were purchased from uh, COVID uh, to, to access immersive learning content, uh, age appropriate, and then high school and college and universities uh, have immersive learning licenses, but those same licenses that allow them to access that on their PC and mobile also allow them to come in with virtual reality applications if they have the headsets. And so we're still deploying the headsets and uh, offering that as a lab, you know, building the lab out and integrating the services for those schools but we're also really focused on this whole idea of changing how learners consume content and how educators present content to bring about engagement uh, of students who today, honestly, they're beyond digital natives. They're digital expectants. They're expecting a higher level of learning uh, tools to be presented to them. And, I, and I'm not sure that we're meeting that expectation uh, in our schools. I think it's fascinating that you started the company, um, you know, before the pandemic and really kind of found your, your fit as it were in 2020, um, mm -hmm. you know, right at the, the outset. And mm -hmm. as everything went, you know, digital and people felt like they were more disconnected, I think, than ever before. Uh, from friends, from family, from their networks. And so I'm wondering um, if there's an opportunity uh, for you to maybe share a little bit about um, where you saw education, especially in the U.S., before mm -hmm. the pandemic versus mm -hmm. what, what does it look like or what should it look like now today? Like what, what's changed and then what are you looking for in the future as you march ahead with, with FedEx? Yeah. Great question. You know, pre-pandemic, education uh, was following all the same structures it had since the Industrial Revolution. Desks in rows, chairs, tables, a lecture or a teacher up front in power, students uh, uh, soaking in the information they could, uh, and online learning, virtual learning before pre-COVID tried to make a footprint and 
I don't know, Skip, if you ever had a chance pre-COVID to take any online learning classes, but so much of it was asynchronous and using technologies that were a bit awkward, uh, you know, with cameras and and the like. Uh, COVID was like a giant rupture or earthquake in all of it. It remashed and mixed. And now we had to figure out virtual solutions. We had to throw educators literally at technology and try to get them to use it oftentimes with poor results. And we come out of COVID with a lot of educators that left during that time because it was impossible to to teach and engage with their students the way they did pre-COVID in a classroom. And so now we're still in this hangover phase of COVID, right? A lot of educators, when you talk to them about any type of, uh, you know, virtual education at this point, almost stiffen up and I don't want to go back to that, you know, or that was too much. And they're still sort of recovering from that forced uh, use of it for, you know, a year and a half in a lot of places. And it's a big opportunity, actually, right now to change the entire educational system and the engagement, because you also have students, learners that were learning at home virtually and are now forced back into the schools uh, over this last year. And many of them wanted to go back. Obviously, there were a lot of social and emotional issues during COVID. Again, the rupture in, in almost <laughs> the... uninterrupted string of education we've had uh, over the last few hundred years. So now we look forward and we look at what's next. VEDEX, our company, I want to be at the forefront of shaping as we speak with educators and ask them what they want. And we speak with schools and we speak with the learners that are going through the classes and some of our pilots. What's most exciting? And we have an opportunity to really offer a more personalized uh, education with immersive content. And so I I see it as a new beginning for us all as a society, as a globe, to re-engage with the questions of how do we best integrate context and learning for our future generations. I think that's a really, really interesting point you made about um, more individualized or tailored education, right? Because right now, a lot of public education in the United States is kind of focused on kind of the mean or average um, and trying to reach as many kids as possible, um, you know, with with kind of a one-to-many approach, right? In terms of mm-hmm. presentation and materials and everything else. and. You know, I was talking um, I, I just before this, I came from a, a roundtable that was organized in part with Oregon Business Magazine um, talking about the about AI right in the uh-huh. future. And what does that was that hold for us? And there were a couple of educators in the room. One was a law professor uh, and the other was a K through 12 teacher. And um, the K through 12 teacher said that one thing that he's hopeful about in terms of AI is the prospect of more personalized instruction for students in the classroom in a very efficient way, right? So it's not a teacher having to create 
30 different personalized plans and approaches and instruction and then deliver it. Some of that can be done with a coaching element um, with, with the AI tools. And I'm wondering, you know, first off, are, are you seeing an opportunity with some of the solutions you're developing to get it more of a personalized or individualized instruction? And I was also wondering if you could maybe talk a little bit about um, where you see AI changing the educational paradigm yet again. Here we are barely <laughs> out of or whatever phase we're in with COVID and, and everything's yeah. upended again. Yeah, I, I, I was a little hesitant to touch on AI since that seems to be the hot point of, of all discussions today, but as it should be, because we are moving at such an incredible pace. And I, I'm not sure most of the society realizes how fast this transformation is taking place. I think they feel it and they see clips, news clips, etc. But what AI is what AI is going to allow us to do in terms of saving time and creation. And when we think about immersive learning, right, it's pre-AI, you had to develop these environments with code and each one became static. But post-AI, our partnership that we just announced today with Eon Reality, post-AI, there's a opportunity for that personalized learning and content creation, not just by the educators. We've always looked to the teachers, create your lesson plans. My wife was a teacher. I remember her back in the day, her lesson plan books, you know, the three ring binders, they put their lesson plans together and everything was on them to deliver this. But we can start having our uh, learners partake in that same process. So now we have learners and educators working together to well, reach the ultimate end goal, which is coming into society, understanding history and science and math and engineering and, and, and obviously being prepared for the next job market, which is changing before our eyes with AI. I mean, AI is going to, to make a lot of processes more efficient, but that also means cutting out a lot of jobs that we thought might have been there uh, pre, uh, pre-release. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm wondering if you're seeing variations in terms of um, teachers' willingness to adopt new technologies? Because one thing that did change, I think, for many educators during the pandemic, and at the point we are now, many of them feel kind of burned out, right? Because yeah. there was all of this change yeah. thrown at them, and they had to adjust and pivot and, and do so with the existing resources, mm -hmm. right? So um, in, in terms of your conversations with them about, hey, we need to be thinking about a new paradigm, are there certain things that, with your approach that make it easier or help kind of change the situation for teachers where they're like, oh, wow, you know, I can achieve these types of outcomes more efficiently, mm -hmm. or with this, I can get better results. Like what are some of the, the sort of positive attributes, if you will, that are really kind of top of mind for you in terms of the feedback you've been getting from, from educators that you're working with? Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons we switched from specifically a VR focus up to an immersive learning uh, focus it was access and not just access by learners, but access by the educators 
that you're speaking about because managing whether it's laptops, Chromebooks, any technology in a school is intense. And I've watched it fail again and again because you've got all this hardware that you have to make sure works. And I think it's important to have access to that hardware, but you can't depend on it. So I think to your question, a lot of educators are wary of technology coming into their system after COVID because they're still catching up, honestly, with making sure they're managing the Chromebooks that everybody got and using those effectively in the classroom. And so to add another technology, virtual reality or AI, it, it just seems a lot. And the educators are feeling that. And I think one of the most important uh, people that we have in our VEDEX network are the educators that are not technologically sa- savvy. I approach them and say, what do you think of this? Is this an easier tool? Because that, Skip, really at the end of the day, in order for immersive learning to be adopted by educators, it has to be easy. It has to be easy to create content for the learners that aligns with their standards they have to meet. And it has to be easy for the learners to consume it with the hardware they already have, which is cell phones, Chromebooks, PCs. And then the school can add a virtual reality lab onto that, but the educators that aren't really excited about that can continue to use the Chromebooks that everybody is actually using today. And so their reluctance is overcome when they see that they can literally give a voice command and say, create me a history lesson based during World War II, make the scene uh, Normandy and uh, make it last five minutes. And here's the three learning objectives. And that entire thing can be created now in less than 10 minutes. And that's pretty amazing because once that's created, it can be saved and put up in a library. And as I was saying earlier, I don't, I don't know if uh, I'd said it here, but that I would like to see a national archive of immersive learning someday. Like that's really at the end of this whole journey and adventure over the next decade, I'm, that I'm going to pursue is an immersive learning library in our national archives to experience all of this. So long, long-winded answer to educators are reluctant, but we have to show them how easy it can be. I think that that's a great point. And also how with this approach and with these types of technologies, they can essentially um, realize a vision that may have been the thing that inspired them to get into education in the first place. Cause it's about, you know, engaging students, helping turn them into lifelong learners, helping make them successful. Um, and, and frankly, with these technologies, they can do so at scale, but mm-hmm. also in a hyper-personalized way efficiently. So that's, that's a pretty compelling set of, set of things that <laughs> this approach can deliver. That's great. Um, I was wondering, you know, shifting uh, gears a little bit. Um, so, so you're based in, in Bend, Oregon. You've got an mm-hmm. international team. 
Um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about uh, some of how you've been able to both collaborate with your um, your fellow teammates, um, both during the early days of COVID when you were getting going, and then you know as as the company is 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 grown and continued to do work in a lot of different markets. What what are some of the strengths and challenges you came across, or sort of opportunities and challenges, as it were, um, in in kind of running a company that is you know international from the get go and remote. From and remote. <laughs> I mean, and during you know, a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. If we're going to go to an online school and say you can, you can have emotionally uh, connective software for your learners, or remote software for uh, companies, we had to show it ourselves. So the very first thing we did is create the VEDEX headquarters in virtual reality using the multiverse. And so we have met there, uh, especially during COVID, we met there a lot, uh, literally around the uh, virtual reality boardroom. And we really did feel like we were there. And in fact, many of us left, when when you take the, the virtual reality headset off, you, you transport back to your physical space and it does really feel like you were somewhere else uh, breathing and talking with your uh, colleagues in Bogota and Turkey and Spain, which is where all of our colleagues were in the beginning, Panama, Ecuador, Florida. These, these are all the different posts that we have, Brazil. Um, so we would meet in the VEDEX headquarters, have conversations, do some work together, and then operate, uh, operate the company really virtually this whole time with between a combination of uh, a meet on bubble and uh, multiverse and uh, our Microsoft teams. That's, that's, that's how we have built and grown. Now I will say one thing and that is it does not replace permanently getting together. So we do try to all get together at least once a year to uh, have conversations and build that there's a there's a certain bond that has to be physical no matter what uh, when it comes to building a culture so there's a counter argument to that that's great and and as you've gotten sort of a flavor for for what's going on in Oregon I was wondering if you could comment on kind of where where you see um, sort of the need for for further uh, innovation as it relates to education, mm -hmm. especially around technology in Oregon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, a couple of interesting comments there. I was flabbergasted last year or beginning of this year, I think, when it came out that computer science ranking of Oregon uh, high schools, I believe, was last in the nation. When we're nestled between Washington or Seattle and San Francisco and what we like to call the Silicon Forest here in Oregon, it blew my mind that we weren't on the top of that list. And so I reached out to a few of the computer science teachers here in Oregon and uh, in addition to having a national archive as a dream, here at the state level, 
I would like to see an Oregon Student Coders Association because ultimately I would love to have my development team here in Oregon creating, helping create content, working with our partners to, you know, facilitate the system integration of that immersive learning for schools, et cetera. Um, so yeah, as far as the future of Oregon, we need to focus on a curriculum for computer science. We need to focus on access because a lot of the learners I've talked to here in Oregon, especially if it's a rural school and they don't have budget for a computer science program, say, per se, how do these kids, besides their own passion, learn coding? And when we look to the future as a state, you've got to see, everybody's got to see that fundamentals of computer science are uh, as base as learning geometry if we're going to succeed in the future uh, uh, with technology and coding. Uh, that's a really, really excellent point. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where there are obviously economic opportunities that come with having that skill set and that knowledge base, but also just thinking more broadly is technology becomes so much more pervasive in our society. And you look uh -huh. at, you know, the makeup of Congress, for example, and, oh and, and it's started. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then you start to think, you know, as a society is, is informed voters, how important is it that we have at least a basic understanding that's, you know, across the board, across the yeah. population about, you know, how, how um, software works. works. Um, right. What, what, what are the component parts to AI? Um, uh -huh. Cybersecurity you know, yeah, cyber security basics. Let's just start there. Exactly. Exactly. Um, well, I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation, Jay. I feel like we could have gone in a number of different other directions as well, but, um, you know, want to be respectful of your time and, and um, appreciate your willingness to spend some time with us and, and sharing your insight, talking a little bit about what you're seeing in the education space and and also uh, sharing a little bit more about the really cool work that you're doing, the impactful work you're doing and your team at, at BEDEX. So we're, we're pleased to have you involved in, and um, you're an asset to, to the community here in Oregon. So thank you. Thanks, Skip, I really appreciate that. And I, I'd, I'd love to you know just kind of do a shout out to every educator in the world listening, uh, immersive learning literally changes how your students get excited. And if you can spark excitement in learning early, as, they, as every educator knows, then curiosity just blossoms and you have to do a whole lot less work in the classroom when your learners are curious. And if they're creating content that they're teaching to each other, well, that is absolutely the best way to learn. So come talk to us about immersive learning. Well said. Thank you, Jay. Okay. Thanks, Skip. I really appreciate it. <laughs>